Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And, and Everything's Coming Up Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Crab Juice. <laughs> and also, it is brought to you by Kicking It, a musical journey through the Betty Ford Center. You know, all my life, I've dreamed of being in a Broadway audience. Oh, they finally said it. <laughs> it's one of my favorite quotes ever. Um, so this is, uh, of course, The City of New York versus Homer Simpson. This is the first episode of the ninth season. It originally aired on September 21st, 1997. It was directed by Jim Reardon. It was written by Ian Maxtone Graham. And the showrunners were... Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Flush. Flush. <laughs> we just tried to throw a flush in there because it's appropriate because it's a Fox show. They they really they originated that. They invented flushing. They invented <laughs> flushing. There's a great flushing meadows <laughs> reference in this episode. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's actually one of my favorite sequences. I don't know why it like stuck in my head years after watching this episode. Uh flushing children. Kids like potty jokes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think it was actually more of like it was more the frolic of mm. it. It was more the f- I'm a fan of frolic <laughs> jokes. Frolics over fart jokes. Is then you're going to love this show. <laughs> I listen, if you like just Homer being Homer, just frolicking in a meadow, let me tell you, this is the episode for you. Uh, so without any further ado, I would like to introduce our guest. He is a very talented comedian. Um, he's... Everywhere and anywhere, and uh, you've probably seen him. He's New York-based. Um, he's behind you right now. He's behind. Ooh, he's standing close. I'm he's everywhere you want to be. Hell yeah! <laughs> I, was, I was setting you up for that. Oh, um, nice. Please welcome Jake Flores. Hey, Hi, Jake. hello. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm a big fan of the show. Yeah. Yeah, we were really excited for you to not only come on the show, but uh, you chose a really great episode. You being from New York, a New York comedian. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, I am originally from Austin, been in New York for three years, and so I think this this is a good episode for anyone who's like had to sort of do battle with New York by either being in yeah. it or moving to it or being kind of an outsider because uh, Homer has a really common perspective here when that he hates New York. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a pretty uh, common belief. Uh, people talk about going to New York and it being like this great life test of yeah. survival of the fittest. Yeah, yeah. It's very like archetypal hero's journey sort of. You're climbing this big mountain and it's... Uh, you know, all this cartoonish, horrible stuff is happening to you. Um, There's a lot of great stuff that happens in uh, Homer's, like, flashback to 70s New York here, like um, Woody Allen dumping his (laughs) trash out on him and stuff. And uh, that's I'm here to tell you it's real. That stuff does happen. (laughs) When I moved to New York, I was uh, carrying a bunch of stuff in both hands, moving into this little, like, flophouse apartment thing that I was staying in for that month. And... uh, it was really windy that day, and a newspaper hit me in the face and got stuck on my face. Oh, my God. <laughs> just, like, in, was like... Just, was it a clean newspaper, at least? I think so, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, somebody was joking at me, like, you know, the other side of the newspaper that I couldn't see probably said, like, stand-up comedy auditions or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so w- w- let's back up a little bit. So sure. you came from Austin. What 
made you want to move to New York, this city that has like this crazy reputation for being very tough? I don't know. Um, Cause like, you know, when you're coming up and you're in a little satellite scene, um, you know, and you're going to try to take a crack at the entertainment industry, you go to New York or LA, everybody kind of is faced with this choice and LA is probably a smarter answer. There's more industry here, yeah. but there is something like calling about New York that is, you know, it, strikes a lot of people at a lot of different times in their lives i think 27 is exactly the age everyone moves there um, i think like, you're right right when you're kind of winding down and like really thinking about stuff and going like all right i gotta just jump in this pool you know um but you know part of it was because there's a lot of industry and there's stuff there that i want to do um there is a you know a great comedy scene and you can write for like late night and stuff eventually and stuff like that um mm-hmm. but also it's just a mythic place and i just like I'd visited a few times and kind of instantly vibed with it and really liked um, not driving and taking the subway everywhere and uh, being in a big giant like sort of gargoyle filled you know urban yeah. maze filled with garbage and so something about that like speaks to my soul. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, then you deserve to be there. <laughs> yeah. I feel like in New York, and I've only visited a handful of times, but I feel like you know out of any place. Any city that you can live in, like it, there's nothing that can match the true, like, unpredictability of what your day is going to be like. You know, you wake up every day and you really cannot predict, like, what kind of weirdo you're going to be crossing paths with, you know, who's like you're going to be rubbing elbows with on the subway, what kind of trash is going to be dumped on your head, (laughs) like that kind of stuff. Yeah. What kind of ragtime music is going to be playing while you're running around <laughs> New York for some reason? Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. Uh, that's that's kind of the thing about it. That's what I like about it. And so that's, that's why I, I think this is a good episode because it confronts a lot of the big questions of why you would yeah. go there, you know, or why you would have to. Um where should we start? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we normally, um, before we dive too deep into, um, you know, talking about like jokes from the episode, sure, stuff sure, like sure. that, for people that haven't um, seen this episode in a while, we like to update them with a synopsis. So this is from Wikipedia. I'm reading it cold. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes <laughs> I'm just saying like, this is a warning. This episode features the Simpsons family traveling to Manhattan to recover the family car, which was taken by Barney Gumble and abandoned outside the World Trade Center, therefore gaining numerous parking tickets and a parking boot. Care to elaborate? (laughs) That was pretty succinct. There's a lot of other things going on in this episode that they didn't touch upon. Uh, yeah, I think that that was a pretty good wrap up of like what the first act is and and the reason to go to New York. And this is kind of an atypically written episode in that it's not like, um, it being like about a place and kind of an expose of New York. It's not like a, there's not a huge plot line. There's not a huge, like huge, like gut punchy style emotional thing. It's uh, more kind of anthropological and it's, you know, uh, so the first act is very clear and it gets us into new york and then after that it's just homer versus the city kind of and it's an interesting version because we've seen a lot of simpsons episodes that take them out of springfield and are like sort of simpsons on the road kind of episodes Mm -hmm. and we see that with um, bart versus australia and we've seen it in you know 
them even going to Capital City, that's um, more of an episode that has a lot of different A-plot, B-plot layers to it. But this is very straightforward. It's just Homer. Well, the setup of it is pretty complex with, um, you know, uh, Mo declaring that most of the drunk driving incidents <laughs> in Springfield are caused by, you know, Homer and all the other drunks <laughs> yeah. that uh, frequent most <laughs> tavern. And so, you know, he's... Uh, saying that they have to do a designated driver type program. Same way they pick the Pope. It's same way they pick the Pope, which is such <laughs> a great joke. Um, they all dive in uh, a jar to get a pickled egg and whoever gets the rotten pickled egg has to be the designated driver. And then of course... It's so gross. It's <laughs> so gross. Of course it's Barney. He's shaking as the reveal is happening. Also, he's in like a bathrobe because he <laughs> takes showers there, which is a very funny yeah. image. Yeah, all right, listen up, guys. The Springfield police have told me that 91% of all traffic accidents are caused by you six guys. Yeah, I know, I know. But the bad news is we got to start having designated drivers. We'll choose the same way they picked the Pope. Everybody reach in and draw a pickled egg. Whoever gets the black egg, stay sober tonight. You got the black one. I can't take this much longer. I gotta have a beer. Oh, no. Oh, not tonight. Not tonight! Are you ready to get duffed? wants to party down with the man who sent in 10,000 Duff labels to bring me here today. I've got a bottomless mug of new Duff Extra Cold for Barney Gumbo! Yeah, that's swell. Duff wholeheartedly supports the designated driver program. Now, who wants to party? Um, when I was, and, was yeah. re-watching this episode, I it, it's really interesting coming back and watching The Simpsons as an adult because there's a few things that I don't look at the same way. One of them is Barney. Like He's really funny when you're a kid because he's this cartoon drunk but he's a like a real person. Yeah, it's actually very sad. Very you know? sad. 
Um, well, which, they do they do explore his humanity later in later seasons when he goes sober. And right. Yeah. Yeah. And which, even in like the film festival episode when he's making <laughs> Pukahontas, we see <laughs> don't cry for me. See the quiet poetry <laughs> that is Barney yeah. Gumble. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that his short film where he's like, "Don't cry for me, I'm already dead." Uh, but it is like a super dark joke that I never, I guess I just never thought about how dark it was because oh, it was yeah. just funny when I was laughing at it as a I kid. I love that kind of dark joke. That, <laughs> that kind yeah. of dark joke that's like sandwiched in not only a situation um, that is, you know, rather light. It's just them watching this film festival, but in an, in a cartoon, essentially. Yeah. I just think that that contrast is really, really fun. But I'm, I agree with you. I think that, you know, as a kid, you can't possibly understand exactly who Barney Gumble is because you don't know who town drunks are. Yeah. <laughs> Unless of course you come from a very checkered past. Um, so you kind of just think that he's a real goofball. Cause yeah, he also yeah, kind yeah. of speaks like a goofball. Like there's something about the whole package of Barney that is very entertaining to a kid that, that kind of delays your thinking in how sad it actually is. Right. Right. <laughs> right. There's also like, it might be uh, just the times I think. Cause the, what they're joking about like drunk driving in the beginning of this episode which yeah. is it's funny on a level but then it's also like when you live life a little bit it starts to become like way more serious of a thing sure. but they also have kind of like there's, there's also a regional thing to this i think i'm kind of obsessed with like different cities and how they all different operate in different parts of the countries and that's, that's why this episode is really good yeah. for us to do but I, they strike me as very midwestern here because um, you know, when you live in like New York or LA or like these big cities, uh, drunk driving is a very serious issue. Everyone's talking about it. Nobody does it. But if you live in like the Midwest, if you came from like where the replacements come from or something, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like the culture is, you know, you have a road soda and it's like a joke, you know, yeah, yeah. everybody's open mic night is constantly jokes about the cops pull you over. They don't care. You know, they <laughs> tell you to just go home right, and stuff like that. Right. Um, up, it was like up until like the 80s i want to say in texas where i'm from it was legal to have like one beer open while you were driving <laughs> totally normal um so i guess that's just like an interesting shift in perspective looking back on this yeah yeah and then we get so of course um you know barney's having a really hard time trying to keep it together while it's everybody so else funny. is like just <laughs> partying like Not motherfuckers today. around yeah. him i know i know i know and then you hear just like this you know mm, ah, <laughs> that song that was made popular by ferris bueller's day off um and like yeah he's just white knuckling it as duff man comes in which i think is the first appearance of duff man the is much it? beloved duff man character i believe so oh that's great yeah um and uh you know you know duff man you don't need me to explain it but uh i was noticing uh, i mean hank azaria does such a great job every time but he does a particularly good job voicing duff man in this um and i think that he's he sounds like he's having the most fun voicing this character than probably <laughs> yeah any other character that he voices i mean it's a fun character to if you're driving around just do out the window just yeah. yell as duffman oh, at yeah. things. yeah yeah <laughs> he's, he's so uh enthusiastic about marketing you know right right <laughs> which makes the line that he has in this moment of you know because he's uh going to give he's supposed to be giving barney gumble a, a lifetime supply <laughs> of uh duff beer and um barney says that he's a designated driver and then there's kind of like a record scratch moment where he goes oh well uh duff beer definitely supports the designated <laughs> driver uh, program <laughs> all right well who's ready to party <laughs> so yeah that quick aside is is really funny and, and speaks volumes to like 
corporations, <laughs> particularly alcohol corporations, don't give a flying fuck who dies. Right. <laughs> I love that he's the guy who creates an awareness for Duff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I just, I, yeah, I, I love that. I think that there should be more uh, Duff man type characters in this world. Is yeah. my position. He's a great, <laughs> my political platform. He's a great joke about how trashy marketing is. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, especially alcohol like marketing. It's it's I mean I mean, in some ways it's an art form because how could you say a million things in a million different ways about just getting shit faced with your friends and <laughs> making it turn into like some sort of elegant choice. <laughs> I, I like on the Simpsons wiki. Um, it just says, Oh yeah. Duffman's catchphrase. Duffman. Duffman's <laughs> other catchphrase. Duffman is here to refill your beer. His other catchphrase. <laughs> That's it. Oh, what a blessed Wikipedia person who wrote that up. Thank you, Wikipedia. Thank you, Wikipedia. We love you. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, the setup of this is great. So, um, you know, Barney just loses it because everybody else is, uh, you know, just yelling around him. And he's driving them home later. And they're, yeah, like, yeah. speaking nonsense. Let's go to the girls' college. <laughs> yes, exactly. Which is always fun. Homer goes, it's my car. And I say we're going to the lost city of gold <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, i don't so even good. really quite get what that's a reference to but it's the funniest thing ever to me i know it, it feels like it could be something that's specifically what they're <laughs> referencing but it could just be you know gobbledy cook yeah just um, simpsons nonsense that's well definitely something i'm going to yell at somebody you should the end you, of this week. i'm actually surprised jake that you haven't already <laughs> if i'm going to be honest yeah. um yeah and then barney says you guys are just saying drunk talk Oh, sweet, beautiful drunk talk, <laughs> or something like that. Um, yeah, and then uh, he drops them all off, and we just cut to two months later, Barney is still missing, and they're putting up, like, have you seen me posters for um, Homer's car? And <laughs> yeah, not for Barney. Not for Barney, <laughs> just for the car. And then uh, Barney shows up uh, literally at that moment, and uh, he can't remember the last two months. And it's, uh, that's yeah. where we start. Right. A limo pulls up and the guy, the limo driver gets out and pops the trunk and yeah. falls out of it. Um, and he says that he was, uh, he said, all I remember about the last two months is giving a guest lecture at Villanova or maybe it was a street corner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I really like that line. There's something kind of weirdly Coen brothers about, that moment for some reason for me maybe it's him coming out of the trunk maybe that was like <laughs> the goofy criminal kind of image but uh it made me think about that yeah yeah and so um then homer discovers that his car is um illegally parked in new york and i love any moment in any tv show where whether it's a whole episode devoted to this um kind of storytelling device or if it's just a, a single moment but you know having a moment of like, oh, here's some back history that I've always held on to and now I'm taking the time to reveal it. Like, oh, you know, when characters in TV shows are like, oh, this is my dark day, don't you know? And then there's like a whole episode about that. There's a moment like that with this New York episode of um, oh, Homer being yeah. like, oh, I didn't tell you kids about, you know, the worst trip I ever went on right, in New right. York. It's and not just even that bad. It's not even that <laughs> bad. <laughs> That's what's so funny about <laughs> it. Like. It's not even that bad. And it's, and it's really beautifully animated to make it look, you know, all old and... <laughs> I love how it looks. Yeah. I really like his perspective in this episode because the, the way the story is being told kind of examines this thing that, like, for instance, like, my mom hates that I moved to New York because she has, like, 
Homer Simpson's thing here. Oh, really? She hates it. I think she visited it like once or twice when she was young. Yeah. And it's, you know, if you get a bad taste in your mouth because it's, it's such a punch in the face the first time you go, a lot of people are just like done with it forever. Right. And a lot of people get a chip on their shoulder about L.A. too, especially in like the entertainment industry. Um, it's a really interesting like duality that that exists where people resent a place you know that's yeah. that's a strange thing to to get into it's a good point um, yeah. well because it. life is chaos and so if you can simplify it with like just one generality then you're like good i know what new york is <laughs> right i don't need to focus on nuance so i Dad. like that they put that on homer because he's the he's the person that you put a dumb perspective on to explain that it's kind of dumb and wacky you know yeah. um it's really also like a big thing in like jersey like jersey's a big working class place and uh-huh. everybody hates new york and it's so silly because it's this huge metropolitan amazing you know one of the most interesting places on earth and it's right next to them um but the question is like why you know is it because you kind of wish you could move there or because new york is a hellhole and you know how i feel about (laughs) hellholes yeah Uh, Yeah. but i I love lisa saying dad you can't judge a place you've never been to and bart says yeah that's what people do in russia i know (laughs) good old russia joke (laughs) good old reliable (laughs) yeah no i i mean i think that uh, yeah, I, I think that like there are so many different layers to New York, and it also feels like kind of a parent thing too to be like, I've been there once, I don't need to go there again, <laughs> you know. And I love also that uh, the reason why Homer went to New York in the first place was to get an irregular coat. <laughs> yeah. That was a very very interesting choice. He was on his way to the Harrisburg Coat Outlet. Yeah, he had to make a stop. He had in to New make York. a stop. Uh, I love uh, Homer when he does decide to come back. He's just like, uh, all right, New York, I'm coming back, but you're not getting this. And he throws his uh, his <laughs> wallet into the fireplace. Dad, our baby pictures were in there. Don't you start. Don't you start. <laughs> what a perfect exchange. Yeah. So Such funny. a dad thing to say. <laughs> I know, I know. It's so great. Uh, yeah, I also like that she's really concerned about her own baby pictures. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, also, that's a very Lisa thing to, you know, to be worried about. Right, something that maybe he doesn't even care that much about, but he should, and she thinks he should. Yeah, like she's trying to make him a better parent. He's like, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I feel like that's like their standard back and forth, which is what makes their relationship so funny and complex. And also, you know, when you have the sweeter episodes between Homer and Lisa. Better. <laughs> sure. Uh, I, I do like Marge also saying after this flashback. Um, well, of course you'd have a bad impression of New York if you only focus on the pimps and the chuds. <laughs> the pimps, pimps and the, the chuds. <laughs> also, um, New York has changed drastically. Can you speak to that? And like the even just oh, the absolutely. last five years. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, seventies New York is this mythic thing that right. exists in movies and stories. Taxi and it was driver. Crazy. You know. And then Giuliani happened, and then gentrification happened, and like now it's like it's kind of like vegas where it's like now it's like a family place there's kids right. walking around there's shake shacks everywhere and there i mean I, I bartend a couple days a week in the lower east side in new york and like every single day some old man just walks up looks in the window comes in and just walks up to me and goes you know this neighborhood used to be a lot different oh. i'm like i know do you have a job do you just walk yeah. around saying <laughs> get out of here doc brown it's like it's been a point that's been beaten to death it's definitely a lot different which i guess is kind of funny for this episode because he ostensibly went to new york back when it was trashy right and has right. this opinion and then they go there and it's really like they kind of joke about it where he he walks up to that guy and he's like i got my eye on you and it's like it's just yeah. some random guy in a suit um because it's you know if you still have that perspective it's really funny to go there and then sort of shake your fist at it but you're just looking at like fao schwartz and like a nice you know right store and just people smiling you know yeah 
Yeah. And um, yeah, I feel like uh, one of like the strongest examples of New York changing and the gentrification is the meatpacking district. Um, there's like a standard hotel there now. There's like these fancy kind of like Rodeo Drive type yeah. stores. It's crazy. But yeah, it's, that's happening in New York. But then there's also that happening in L.A. and like every metropolitan city. It's happening so everywhere. Different. It's happening everywhere. It's kind of a constant conversation. You know, gentrification. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if a day of my life has gone by in the last three years where that word hasn't come up. I know. <laughs> I know. Speaking of meatpacking. Um, Whoa. <laughs> can't wait for this. Uh, when they're at the butcher shop. Uh, a, a quote that I remember being very scared of uh, was was just seeing those rabbits oh, yeah. and um, oh, yeah, Lisa yeah. asking, "Mom, are those rabbits dead?" And Marge saying, "No, no, Lisa, they're just sleeping, upside down <laughs> and inside out." Yeah, yeah. Uh, however, something about this quote that I remember is Dan Hopper, who's um, a friend to the podcast and loves The Simpsons more than just about everybody, has this college humor article that came out a long time ago that was eight weirdly out of character classic Simpsons jokes. And that was one of them because Lisa's obviously deeply intelligent and not stupid right, enough to right, not right. be able to recognize yeah. that those are dead rabbits. That they do that occasionally with they Lisa. Do. They well, kind of allow her to be a child. That's exactly what it is. They let her be an eight-year-old girl, which I like. I mean, yeah, I me definitely too. get where uh, where this article is coming from. Uh, but uh, another one is from this episode as well, which is another great joke. And sometimes I do think you just have to take the joke, even if it kind of bends the yeah. reality. And The Simpsons has made a point of that, too, when they're talking about, like, you know, you can't expect everything to be real in cartoons. And then Homer walks by them <laughs> when he's already in the room. One of the best visual jokes. <laughs> but um, the other one in this article is when Bart tells ZZ Top, you rock, when he sees the... the <laughs> Hasidic Jews. Yeah. And uh, the reason for that is just that... Um, Bart hates classic rock and wouldn't. <laughs> and because, like, during the Hullabalooza episode, Bart says that he hates it and thinks that those are stupid dinosaur bands oh, and yeah. wouldn't have listened to, like, uh, Jefferson a Airplane or any of those things. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, I honestly, I love that there are fans like this that have the, right. well, he wouldn't do this, but I I, I, I do love it. Though I will argue, yes, I, I agree. I think I'm not that fan. <laughs> I'm not that fan. I think it's splitting hairs for being like, but he doesn't like that music that's different than you can still be making fun of them yeah but i would argue that like when there are jokes that they take that um suggests that homer is more intelligent than he actually is that takes me out because like one of the core like foundations of the show like part of the very fabric of these characters is that homer's an idiot lisa's smart bart's a no good troublemaker you know, these are like yeah. the constant bases of their personality. And there have been a couple occasions in episodes, particularly later ones, where they go for a joke with Homer that just feels like he <laughs> wouldn't understand it if you pitched it to him. Oh, you totally. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> Sometimes you just go for the joke. <laughs> well, co comedy is really interesting to write in that regard because you have to exist in sort of a flexible reality. Um, which is, you know, if you if you if you tell the truth, it's not comedy. It's pretty basic you know you can't have these characters that have like really consistent views on things and stuff but if you stretch it too far it does leave a bad taste in your mouth like when i watch an episode from like a newer season that maybe i don't like so much and they make homer do something that deeply offends my idea of what homer is it bugs the hell out of me you know yeah um but there's like it's i don't know, i can't really place it but it's, it's interesting i think about this a lot when i'm writing jokes because um a lot of times a joke is funnier uh, like it's, you'll have a bit that's really funny until somebody points out 
uh, what's factually inaccurate about it, and it destroys the whole bit. Oh, yeah. It, like, it's actually kind of a better bit sometimes if it's uh, slightly misinformed, because maybe that's, like, what comedy's doing is, like, playing with the logic a little bit and things. Yeah, I think you can do that. There's a quote, uh, I think Patton Oswalt said, the truth is hack. <laughs> where, like, you have to aim a little bit to the side yeah. in order to get into, like, where the comedy lives. Um, so that, that's, you know, that's interesting when, uh, somebody notices something that's out of, con- you know, character for one, one of these people. Yeah. Cause, uh, I mean, <laughs> I get it. If you're probably sitting at home on their couch and going like, no, you know, cause it destroys their <laughs> whole Simpsons love or whatever. Right, right, right. Um, but relax people. Yeah. yeah. You know, I thought you were going to go when you were talking about doing a stand up bit. Um, I thought you were going to go that like people were going to come up to you and say that it didn't sound like it was coming from your voice or your perspective. Oh, that which, happens. Which happens people. as well. Yeah. And, and you know what? I think that it's a case by case basis because sometimes I'll see a performer and they'll talk about like, Oh yeah, I'm so old. I'm so tired. I'm so old. And they're a spring chicken. They're on stage. They're spring chicken. I don't believe it for a goddamn second, baby. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, other occasions it it is uh, more splitting hairs if people are going to be talking back about that. But, um, yeah. As long as we're talking about this scene in Chinatown. So I, I kind of misspoke Oh, earlier. I love that line, too. Which one? Oh, um, it's like, where are we? Are we still in Little Italy? Italy? Oh, yeah. oh, I think we're in Chinatown, Mom. <laughs> Only in New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So funny. And it's such a mom line. Yeah. Uh, I feel like my mom has said something like that. My grandmother has said something like that. So the bar where I bartend is, uh, it's in. It's kind of right below the Lower East Side. It's on the cusp of the Lower East Side and Chinatown. So I'm in Chinatown constantly and i haven't watched this, this episode since i like started working in there and like moved to new york and stuff so it was like really fun to see my own like street almost yeah. in the simpsons episode it was really cool uh it they got a couple things right that you can't sell fireworks out of a shop in new york yeah um and i haven't seen the inside out rabbits but i'm looking for them <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you know what off send of, a tip yeah <laughs> off of the accuracy um i read up that um they had sent, uh, let me see, sorry. Um, David Silverman was sent to aye Manhattan. Aye, aye, aye. Um, our, one of our future guests for the LA Pod Festival. Hello. Ooh. Everybody should go to that. Um, <laughs> uh, he was sent to Manhattan to take hundreds of pictures of the city and areas around the World Trade Center. Um, because that is, of course, where Homer's car is illegally parked. Right. So he took hundreds of photos and then came back to the studio. And they, the Wikipedia is so dry. They're like, and then they all said, good job. <laughs> <laughs> this works. That's great. <laughs> and yeah. then they all smiled. Yeah, he's just like so <laughs> droll. Um, and uh, yeah, one more thing about that. In the final scene, it's a family scene driving away from New York on the George Washington Bridge. The credits roll with the camera gradually pulling back from a view of the car to a view of the side and then onto a panorama view of the city as if the whole sequence was being shot from a helicopter. And they painstakingly tried to get the accuracy of, you know, the geography of that and Aww. the details of the bridge. Mm. And um, from what I know from uh, an animator that lives in my house, um, it's really hard to do <laughs> <laughs> New York episodes. My fiance is an animator. Right. <laughs> cool. Um, but uh, yeah, but re- they did I a great job. I read that same thing. They said it was like right before you could do that with computers. They had to like really painstakingly do it like, you know, analog yeah. style. Well, that's nice. And they wanted to do that. That's <laughs> <laughs> for doing that. <laughs> um, yeah. The thi- okay, so the thing that, that I really like about this episode is it's uh, there's two kind of stories happening to me. There's there's Homer and there's Marge, right? It's kind of pretty much Homer yeah. and Marge heavy. The kids are really background for this. Um, 
Marge has a perspective in this episode that's hilarious to me, where she's uh, <laughs> just so like enamored with New York and humble about it, and she keeps saying these things like, "I wish," like she's looking at shoes in a window, and she's like, "I if wish I, I didn't only ar- didn't own a pair." <laughs> yeah, I wish I didn't already own shoes. <laughs> <laughs> that thing about like being uh, in a Broadway audience. That's one of my favorite quotes. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's something like so simple, so Marge. Well, so sad. You know, it says so much. The it Simpsons says so much. are supposed to be this like salt of the earth, every man, like nuclear family that, you know, is an amalgamation of like everyone in America kind of, you yeah. know, they're like middle class, like lower middle class, trashy people or whatever. So I think it's really cute and endearing that they explore that by sending him to the big city. And, you know, she's just know. so just enamored with it. She's a mom. Um, yeah. The other thing thing though is homer homer goes in the other direction where like he's not only doing battle with new york but i think that it's he's really like against he's he's grappling with a bureaucracy in this episode like red tape and stuff like that Mm -hmm. they specifically make that aspect of like the new york legal system yeah the thing that he's just furious with um it's kind of like catch 22 you ever read or seen that Mm -hmm. it's a lot of the same jokes like where he's on the phone and uh god what does it say um Oh, yeah, when he's calling the traffic, um, the hotline. Yeah, and it keeps, sh- sh- uh, the automated voice keeps messing with him. I can't yeah, what he like, says, uh, if you plead not guilty, press one. He presses one. Your plea has been rejected. <laughs> I also love any of those kind of like audio <laughs> jokes, and it's kind of similar to Camp Krusty with Mr. Black, you know, when they're watching the video. Um, just those like pleasant, robotic, like, your uh, plea has been rejected. Like, it's just <laughs> yeah, so yeah. fun. And Oh, you yeah. Know. They go like, uh, you will be subjected to a very small, large fee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's very funny. And it just speaks to, I mean, any if anyone who's anyone's gotten a ticket and had to call that hotline. Yeah. Like, so God. it's very relatable to, like, just feel like, uh, you know, a Davy and Goliath kind of situation with mm-hmm. um, the local government. Totally. Yeah. Happened to me like the week I moved there. Really? Oh, yeah, I got arrested for, I didn't get arrested. I've been arrested in New York. It's pretty wacky. Um, Ooh, you want to tell us about that? Yeah, yeah. It's actually a pretty good story. I did a sticker treat last year. Uh-huh. You know, the show for listeners, it's, it's like a show that happens on Halloween. It's a big comedian party where uh, if you're a comic and you're invited to the show, you dress up as another comic, like a famous comic. And then you do like them. I think you either like kind of roast them or like some people just go balls to the wall and just nail like a perfect impression to somebody. Um, so I did Kyle Kinane, who's perfect. Oh my God. Lovable, gruff, uh, you know, Tom Waitsy, throaty fucking voice comic. of comedy <laughs> central. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and so it was really fun. Great show. And then I got arrested that night as Kyle Kinane. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you get arrested for? Drinking a beer, walking up to my front stoop. Uh, Cause oh it was my God. open. Boy, boy. Right before I got to the thing. Boy, I, boy. Uh, but I got arrested because I had had a ticket for that already. Um, oh. I'm good now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, well, I feel like that's kind of like an initiation, right? You know, like. I guess. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Especially a New Yorker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, uh, I mean, I definitely feel like I have a right to complain about the city now. Hey, and that's something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's something to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 you're right, though, about this being like a Marge and Homer heavy episode. Uh, although one of my 
favorite moments of uh, The Simpsons is the Mad Magazine. Yeah. I think of it every oh, time yeah. that I, like, if, if anyone ever gets to, like, do a meeting at, like, a cool big company, you mm-hmm. always kind of think it will be that. Or, like, if yeah. you get to visit the behind the doors, it's going to be this crazy, yeah, awesome thing. I've even had, not to brag, I've even had meetings at toy companies. Yeah. Mm. They are not that fun. It's so funny, too. <laughs> um, I love Bart's laugh when... Uh, he's dealing with the kind of cranky receptionist. Uh-huh. Uh, he's like, is this Mad Magazine? No, it's short for... Uh, what is Mademoiselle. <laughs> we're, buying our, we're buying our letters <laughs> one by one. <laughs> so funny. What a good joke. And then his, but his like, like polite laugh there. They're like trying yeah. to be charming. Yeah, <laughs> I love Bart trying to be charming. And I love the portrayal of... Um, Alfred E. Newman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Mad Magazine. Excuse me, is this Mad Magazine? No, it's Mademoiselle. We're buying our sign on the installment plan. (laughs) Uh, Seriously, though, um, my name is Bart Simpson. My father has a subscription. I'd like the grand tour, please. Listen, kid, you probably think lots of crazy stuff goes on in there, but this is just a place of business. Oh, okay. Get me Kaputnik and Phonebone. I want to see the drawings for the new kids on the block. And where's my Beschlugener pastrami sandwiches? Wow. I will never wash these eyes again. One thing I will say is that, like, um, the the Simpsons, it, like, the table reads, like, if if anyone is ever lucky enough to go, they do feel like the Mad Magazine. Yeah. I, I did feel oh, like, cool. oh, man, it is just as fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, you know, that that's a really funny reveal of, like, no, of course, it's a place of business. And then, of course, <laughs> the door opens, and it's just, like, this Got fun unicycle house. And <laughs> there's <laughs> bubbles for some reason. and So that's a fun little tidbit. I mean, uh, we've uh, been bouncing around a little bit, but basically this episode is structured where it's Homer versus New York. And then Marge uh, and Bart and Lisa are kind of sightseeing and doing their own thing. Bart's a little bit more off on his own, uh, doing his own kind of bullshit. Um, but I, I love, I love moments like that. And then I love, um, you know, Marge being so firm with Homer that like, cause he first at the beginning of the episode, Homer suggests like, you just wait by the car or you just wait here. Don't go anywhere. I'll be back in like eight hours. <laughs> She's <laughs> yeah. like, no way we are going to see New York. Seeing the bus was yeah. only one of the yeah. stops. Yeah. The bus. <laughs> Which to, to go back, the uh, the, there's a couple of really great jokes that we kind of skipped over. Um, when they're talking about going to New York, um, I think Bart or some, or Lisa maybe, um, presents that, there's like a great deal to go like a whole family on the bus for like nine dollars and bart says something like nine bucks this one's on me which is <laughs> know, so funny yeah. coming from a kid <laughs> yeah. and then when they're on the bus and uh homer is like sitting and we see that there's a blanket over his legs and he starts pounding at his legs and he goes marge i can't feel my legs i can't feel my legs and she goes that's the guy behind you's legs <laughs> and then we reveal this little easter egg it is um the tallest man um, al- otherwise known as Ian Maxtone Graham, mm-hmm. uh, the like, uh, this is the only automobile I could what? afford. Blow kisses to the people. Did yeah. I miss that? 
Yes, he did. Oh my God, that's awesome. I know, isn't it? But I actually didn't catch it until my most recent viewing of it. Yeah, oh. same here. It was here. like a nice little tidbit. He, yeah, and yeah. I love the animation, just the way that his spine kind of curves down to look over I know. the seat into Homer. It's perfect. Yeah. Is, it, is it the guy who wrote this? Is that yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. so he like put himself into it. Yeah. Okay, that's very clever. Which is fun. Your voice is kind of like his. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, and then so Marge and Lisa are sightseeing. We've talked about <laughs> them looking at shoes. Yeah. And uh, you know, going <laughs> through Chinatown. There's a line when they're at the when, they're, when he's warning her about the the bus station that I like a lot, where he goes, "Once the sun goes down, the weirdos turn crazy." Yeah, which is great. Yeah, 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 <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, really quick, one of my favorite. Um, moments uh when they're on the bus is lisa talking to the the homeless person and uh you just see here's a better idea you give me your address and i'll write to you and he says okay send it to jesus uh care of the pentagon (laughs) (laughs) i just love that man so much yeah me too (laughs) that and children's letters to god those are two great letter writing jokes courtesy the simpsons (laughs) this episode is also chock full of sign gags man oh man you want to read some yeah when they first get in this is giant sign it says welcome to manhattan home of the world weary poser <laughs> which is great that's really funny um and then there's original rays famous pizza not affiliated with famous original rays yeah <laughs> um mad magazine left oh when they walks into mad magazine there's an arrow left uh, is pointing to mad magazine right is methadone clinic yeah which perfect. is a great joke about comedy writers by comedy writers <laughs> <laughs> um and there's just a million more there's yeah. Ernest goes to broadway when they get to broadway <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh isn't there a paul simon joke on one of the signs in broadway where it's like paul simon more about new york no or it's, something. it's neil simon oh, neil simon sorry when i was watching this i had to look up because i didn't i don't know anything about broadway so oh, I, right. I was like i didn't get these and i was like who the hell Neil Simon. And apparently, he's like a playwright who's oh, just he's like very famous. But I do get him mixed. It's easy to get him mixed up yeah, with Paul yeah. Simon, the musician. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, I guess the joke is that everything he writes is about yeah. Brooklyn. Um, um, but then, uh, one of my favorite bits from this episode, and just like one of my favorite Simpson musical moments of all time, and it's one of my dreams to one day sing it <laughs> Simpsons karaoke style, is um, kicking it. So um, good. Oh, yeah. Journey. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. So I read uh, Ken Keeler wrote the lyrics to the main song uh-huh. and spent only two hours cranking that bad boy out. And that the um, character that we see in this little snippet of a musical is based on Robert Downey Jr., who was, you know, very prominently uh, in the news at the time for his drug addiction. Sure. So crazy. Yeah. And now he's Iron Man and we have forgiven him. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and then so yeah. yeah, I didn't catch that it was him when I was a kid. No, I, I felt on the outskirts of that news cycle. Yeah, I think I knew that they were referencing somebody. Like I got that it was a joke about yeah. a, a person, but I didn't get who it was. But that song's great. It's so it good. It gets stuck in your head. I know, I know. And it's like this perfect ode to Broadway, too. It's got all these like different layers to it and levels, and I just think it's really fun. Kicking a musical journey through the Betty Ford Center. You know, when I was a girl... I always dreamed of being in a Broadway audience. How do you find the defendant? He's guilty of mayhem, exposure, indecent. Freaked out behavior, both chronic and recent. Drinking and driving, narcotics possession. And that's just page one of his ten-page confession. 
I should put you away where you can't kill or maim us, but this is L.A., and you're rich and famous. I'm checking in. He's checking in. I'm checking in. No more pills or alcohol, no more pot or Demerol, no more stinking fun at all. I'm checking in. He's checking in. He's checking in. No more looking pale and thin, no more bugs beneath your skin. Hey! That's just my aspirin. Chuck it out. Your When I grow up, I want to be in the Betty Ford Center. Better start saving now. It's very expensive. Shh. They're strapping down Liza Minnelli. Yeah, I think uh, they, some, I forget who shushes somebody, but it's like, they're strapping down Liza Minnelli. I know. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> yeah, it's also on one of the albums, I think. It's on Songs in the Key of Springfield. So if you have that album, uh, it's a tasty treat. Yeah. Listen to it a lot. I love the line where he's like, hey, that's just my aspirin. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Which actually I read also that Josh Weinstein, or maybe it was Bill Oakley, one of them, was like, we can we can do better than that line. Like, that was like yeah. their big note. That's and then so it funny. obviously stayed in. It's great. Um, it's so great. Uh, I was going to do a stupid, uh, speaking of staying, uh, oh. transition, but I was going to say when, uh, when I Bart... More <laughs> transitions, please. You're, you're the queen I love them. of them. I love it so much. Uh, when, when Bart uh, does the voice of the Statue of Liberty, he says, hey, immigrants, beat it. Country's full. And the sailor just very silly. Okay, people, you heard the lady. I know. Back into the hold. We'll try Canada. I, yes. I love those kind of jokes. Me of too. Just like, this is an absurd thing that they could possibly <laughs> believe would be really happening. But then, but then one character being like, all right. Hey, you heard her. I can't argue with the voice. <laughs> the Statue of Liberty told me. I know. It's, uh. it's so fun. Yeah. So, and also I wanted to say, um, you know, going back to Homer, uh, so we see him so often in Simpsons episodes as being kind of a passive character. Like he's sort of just sort of reacting <laughs> to things around him. He's not being very assertive. But in this, right. he's taking a firm stance. He's super angry in this. I, I kind of love it. It's really yeah. refreshing. Yeah. You know, you contrast this to like, say, the Frank Grimes episode where he's just sort of like reacting the entire time right. and being like this befuddled idiot. And then here he is and he's like very almost political in his ire toward New York City. Yeah. Like he's, if, if somebody said you should run for mayor, he'd be like, fuck yeah, I will. And I'm going to turn this city around. <laughs> and maybe that's what New York City needs. Can you speak to that as a um, resident? I, I, mean, I didn't want to announce it here. Oh boy. But, uh, I'm taking over the city. That's uh, great. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. It's a Simpsons pod exclusive. Mm-hmm. That was really like, I was baiting you to do that that was so unnatural the alley-oop hey no problem um (laughs) yeah no new york needs a lot of things uh we need homer simpson yelling at it i like that he's so angry here because it fits into this like him being middle america sort of thing like if homer's going to stand for something it's going to be something like this yeah and you know what i think because it's so infrequent when he does take this really passionate aggressive stance that it being against the city of New York and it being as goofy as him, like just having a bad afternoon there in the seventies, <laughs> yeah. 
makes it even funnier. Which is really weird, by the way. I actually am kind of this nerd I was making fun of. But they they visit the um, the Statue of Liberty when they're in the barbershop quartet, and that was in '86. So, Hello. Homer, <laughs> I think Hello. you've had a pretty good experience there. <laughs> Let me tell you something, and I wouldn't know anything about this, but I can only imagine that writing on a TV show that has existed for <laughs> as long as The Simpsons, even at this time, which was season nine, I'd be like, fuck the past. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to, like, you'd have to fact check every word. <laughs> also, like, with a show that's, you know, absurdist comedy, it's like, um, you're go- there's no way to, to make that sort of thing no, consistent. No, I know, I like, know. The episode where they're in a barbershop quartet is, like, extremely uncanon, like, never yeah, is referenced yeah, it's again. it's way <laughs> like, more of a bottle episode than, than yeah. any other episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, so we see Homer being so fucking pissed off. And that's what makes also, like, his big moment of cracking you know, so righteous and so delicious because we've seen him suffer. He's immediately, once he gets to New York, he's immediately pissed off. He's got a million parking tickets on his um, car. It's parked in between the Twin Towers. That's super which, weird. Yikes. Yeah. I mean, they couldn't have known. Um, <laughs> this <laughs> no, was they knew. In the ni- oh, they knew. Oh, wow. <laughs> Um, I forget I've that got they're some part of the YouTube Illuminati. Videos you should watch. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> Infowars.com/slash The Simpsons. Uh, yeah, I think I've been to that this website. Alex Jones screaming. <laughs> yeah, Weinstein. And actually, this episode, um, it was taken off syndication in many areas following uh, 9/11. Yeah, because of that. But it has since come back into syndication I'm in glad. recent years. It's Good. weird because the um, you know if you're like a if you like to look for Simpsons did it type things like the um, magazine that says like the I don't know how much the bus is has like the nine for nine dollars and then you have the Twin Towers so it, it spells out nine eleven uh, oh. stuff like that Ooh. makes people wow. go crazy. <laughs> Am I the only what? one that noticed that? Whoa, open your mind, <laughs> Joe Rogan experience, y'all. Jetfield uh. can't melt steel beams. <laughs> what about Building Seven? Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know. <laughs> um, it is super weird. It's kind of interesting that like. You have to take yeah. something off the air just because it has the Twin Towers in it. It's not really like making a statement. I know, I know. Well, that, I mean, there was, after 9-11, there was just so much. Ooh. Ooh. I'm showing them what it looks like, and it's real. That we will post weird. it on our Twitter. Those, um, those $9 buses are real, by the way. Fungwa bus. Oh, yeah, Megabus, man. No, no I mean, there's a, before there was Megabus, there's a Chinatown bus. There's a bus you can catch in Chinatown. Oh, I think I knew about that. T- it goes to Boston, maybe? They're super sketchy. They go all over the place. I took one to Memphis one time. Oh, my God, to Memphis? 19 hours. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, the first time I ever went to New York, I was in college, and it was like, I've arrived, baby. I'm in the big city. And it was just it was just like a normal kind of trip, but I like made it feel like this big <laughs> ar- arrival. And uh, I had a bunch of friends that were like, well, you got to take the Chinatown bus to go to Boston. And thank God I did not because, you know, <laughs> I took one look at it actually and was like, mm, I'm good for yeah. the day. I think I've, I like all my fingers and toes. Yeah, they've cleaned them up a lot uh, lately. But, I mean, the few years ago when I went for the first time, it was like, I mean, a guy just got on and handed off a duffel bag. Yeah. And, like, the cops pulled the thing over and, like, searched through everyone's stuff. Oh, it was yeah, yeah. super weird. Uh, well, getting back to this episode. Um, so, Homer, I want to build to his big, like, I'm fucking done with this shit moment. So, he um, is really, really hungry. And this uh, cart... 
<laughs> cart guy comes by, which is he's also delightfully animated. He's very bouncy. <laughs> he's very fun, and he's selling uh, what is it even? It's like crack kalash, club club kalash, club kalash, which is a made up thing. I think. Yeah. Oh, good, good. Yeah. I didn't want to offend a whole <laughs> region of people, um, but uh, he's got. It's like just. It looks like meat slop on a stick, <laughs> and uh, beverage options being uh, Mountain Dew or crab juice. And then this is like I think actually so famous. one of my dad's like favorite jokes. This is specifically the, the most iconic joke of this episode to me. Like I still Easy. think about yeah. it. I'll take the crab juice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then and then you see uh, time lapse of Homer standing with all these cans of crab juice, and now he has to pee really bad, but he can't leave the car, and he you know goes through the towers and blah blah. blah. And as he's peeing, he sees um, that the parking guy has arrived and is writing him another ticket. And yeah. I love the two people yelling from the, uh, they put know. all the jerks in the first building. Uh, yeah, yeah. I have a super weird note about this. Mm. Um, okay, so there's these two guys yelling across, you know, from the gap in between the two towers at each other. And then uh, they pan up and there's a third guy, right? And the third guy's I love that. He's got a clothesline. He's like, hey, uh, get out of here. Or whatever. Yeah. Shut up. Keep it down down there. Or whatever. I can't remember exactly what he says. But <clears throat> so... This is a Bill Oakley, Josh Weinstein episode, right? Yeah. They went on to make Mission Hill, which yeah. I love. Um, I it, there's a animatic of like the final unaired episode on YouTube. It's my favorite episode of anything ever. I watch it when I'm like referencing for you know three act structure and plot points and stuff. Like how to write scripts. It's really cool. Um, but there's a character on Mission Hill that I think is the same voice as this dude, the third oh, guy. Oh, that's highly possible. It's the big, bald, gay dude. I forgot his name. So I was like, hey, uh, keep yeah. me down down there, or whatever. I didn't catch it until I watched this episode. Oh, that's fine. Oh, my God. It's like the same character. I bet it is. I love that. Yeah. While I love that. While we're talking about Bill Oakley and <laughs> moving back to 9-11, I just... <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow. That is the best transition. <laughs> yeah. Allie, you should just... Can you do like a spin-off <laughs> podcast? Yeah. Hell yeah. Just your transition. <laughs> Donate to our Patreon, <laughs> please. Uh, <laughs> so I, I just I found the quote where uh, the, you know this is pretty easy to find, but if you ever just uh, type in blank predicted 9/11, you can usually find something. I typed in the Simpsons predicted 9/11. Of course, it shows that thing that I just told you about. And uh, Bill Oakley was asked to comment on it, and I just like how straightforward he is. He says, $9 was picked as a comically cheap fare. Frankly, it's funnier than 10 bucks or 11 or 8 for some reason. Perhaps the sound of the word 9 and its single syllable? To make an ad for it, the artist log- logically chose to include a silhouette of NYC. I signed off the in- on the design. It's pretty self-explanatory, and I will grant that it's eerie given that it's on the only episode of any series ever that had an entire act of World Trade Center jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that people often confuse coincidence with conspiracy. I right? love it. Yeah. Yeah, so... <laughs> so great. God, I love... I just love truthers in general. Me oh too, God, so much. so fun. When you get into, like, offshoot truthers, too, like, when you get into, like, Beyonce truthers and, like, you know, different different truthers it's like what are beyonce truthers Truthers. it's mostly about um well uh, there is the belief that she's part of the illuminati which is bullshit but um lady gaga is though oh well that makes sense (laughs) thank you um, thank you (laughs) and um little monsters and uh just that she's in a sham marriage and you know that she um, wasn't actually 
pregnant with Blue Ivy because there's one video where she's like about to be on some daytime talk show and she's got her baby bump and she like bends down and it like <laughs> it like it like and a lizard tongue comes out in <laughs> her her lizard tongue comes out but it compresses <laughs> in in a way that like suggests that it's not real a real baby bump that wow. it's you know like just a cushion and it was just all an act because she didn't want to um, admit that she got a surrogate because she's a perfect angel person right. and that would just look bad for all the the bay hive members sure wow, i've <laughs> never heard that one that's awesome that's, yeah that's been that's been swirling around for a while I've been and if you google uh, it you can find like a gif of her bending down <laughs> in the pregnant belly i'm sure there's a long youtube video oh, with a yeah. guy narrating and mm-hmm. stuff i'm really into flat earthers right now those are my yeah. wackos oh yeah that's come back for some reason <laughs> yeah well th- it's like every once in a while like a rapper gets really into it and then like <laughs> does a track about it and then yeah. the grass tyson has to rap back at him it's aye, aye, aye. one of my favorite parts of the internet yeah that and um juggalos thinking that magnets are magic <laughs> they, they don't I, understand it i i think that i have a theory about the juggalos and i'm, not, I'm actually reading a book about them right now so it's <laughs> kind of arguing the other direction but I really think, i think they're in on the joke uh, oh okay the two guys that started icp not juggalos but the, the two guys themselves um maintained all the intellectual property rights to all their music which yes. no one does yeah. so they're rich they made a ton of money off this there stuff. was an, there was a big profile of them a couple years ago i think in like maybe vanity fair or like the new york times or something something like pretty legit that was talking about how they seem to be in on the joke as well yeah because they make movies that are just way over the top and it's like all right you kind of get what you're doing they Um, like are business people yeah (laughs) yeah they're business clowns that was my gender neutral way of saying (laughs) businessmen even though they are both men (laughs) well they're clowns it's like they're fire people instead of firemen (laughs) (laughs) they are clowns they're i could have just said that business solos yeah they have their own pronoun juggalo yeah um yeah I don't know. I'm going to try to, uh, I'm, t- I'm talking to a couple people right now. I'm going to try to get on the Gathering of the Juggalos next year because they have you comedy should. at it. You should. And I'm going to go find out. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Bring a camera crew. Do, yeah. do a whole MTV2 <laughs> web series about it. I kind of think that it's like, that's all the gathering is, right? It's yeah. everyone just doing that. Um, yeah. That's, that's, that's what I assumed, but I talked to somebody recently who argued otherwise. I heard it's just camping with Fago. Yeah. Yeah. I Which mean. is, you know what? Not a bad time. Uh, well, what's his name? Bobcat Goldthwait has a great story. He does like as a bit about how like he had a clown like that was his personal assistant. Like they gave him like this is your clown. He's gonna drive you around, <laughs> and he's on a golf cart. And like somebody threw a bottle of beer at the clown, and it like hit his head and knocked him out while his foot was still on the pedal. Oh shit! So apparently it's wacky. I don't know. Yeah. There's only one way to find out. Bobcat also has like the craziest party stories. <laughs> uh, it seems. Yeah. Uh, but getting back to the episode, um, so we're building up to Homer. We'll save that for the Juggalo podcast. Yes, save it for the. We have so many spinoff podcasts <laughs> from this very episode. Yeah. We're very, we're very uh, blessed. Um, <laughs> but uh, so Homer is pissed off. He's just been, you know, kicked down uh, enough times by the city, and so he still has this boot on his car, and he just decides to take matters into his own hands and just drives with this boot, and it like scrapes into his car frame, <laughs> and yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know, it's and he's like thumping down the road and people are like honking at him and there are a lot of really great animated shots in this like there's an overhead shot of his car just like slowly going down the street while people are weaving out they did such a great job with this episode also the colors just because they already made the device that like after 5 p.m is when like all the crazy people come out so like you get like all the shadows
shadows from. Yes. Oh like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like a magic it's a really hour. great callback. Yeah, it is. <laughs> magic hour. Ooh, you been to film school? Does magic hour work? For <laughs> I've been in LA for a week and I've heard that term <laughs> yeah. like five times. I love it. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the when you come into LAX, they greet you and say, "Ah, <laughs> oh, yes, it's the magic hour." I, I went to a Dodgers game with a bunch of comics the other day, and they somebody told me that they throw out the first pitch during the magic hour. Oh boy, which is like that's really obnoxious. <laughs> that kind of makes me feel like you know that's a film school term. Get out of here. Yeah, like yeah. nobody else is supposed to be saying it in conversation, <laughs> and, I, and I feel gross saying it now. Um, but Ma- uh, magic but hour. Yeah. Uh, Homer says something I really like here. He says, "I'm getting out of this town alive if it kills me." <laughs> this is such a that's great, really fun, great joke. Yeah. So then uh, he is driving out, and he picks up uh, the rest of the family, and they cruise out of New York. And it's it's the end, and they're saying goodbye, Stinktown, basically. <laughs> and I love, I mean, Homer's just such a dad here. Like, my dad is not like an angry guy on most trips, I don't think. But like, it, it does feel very dad to be like kind of gritting his teeth while like trash is hitting oh, him in the yeah. face, while the kids are just like, let's go back and like planning. Like That's the <laughs> cherry on top. So his windshield is completely crushed, and yeah. then they're driving behind a, a garbage truck. Yeah, um, it kind of reminds me of. Um, Bart on the road when they're driving and um, you know Nelson fucks with the car next to them on the freeway and because the kids are yelling in the back seat and they're like one more word out of you and like we're turning around and Nelson just leans his hand out and slaps the dad oh, yeah. <laughs> with the back of his head and they turn around so it's like those kind of stereotypical like angry dads are depicted often in the Simpsons yeah. it also reminds me I think I talked about this when we discussed this episode but in summer of four foot two how the kids all cover the sh- the car with like jellyfish and like then yeah. the seagulls are on I love <laughs> just, it. just that kids are like i don't know i wouldn't say and moms but in this case just uh in this universe just just don't understand like the woes of having a car and like these real life issues and it's very funny but it's very funny and and also (laughs) like thank you to the simpsons for they consistently portray like a fairly realistic view of what it's like to have young kids and what it's like to be in in this family what it's like to be a kid and have that kid logic you know in the examples that you just said and just in general i feel like they uh, really go out of their way to make sure that you know it's like we don't have these kids speak, I mean, with the exception of Lisa, speak more intelligent than they would otherwise, or I don't know, just do things that are fairly unrealistic. Yeah, given well, they, the constraints. They, they play with that stuff a lot, and it's, you know, the subtext is always really smart. And that's what is really interesting about The Simpsons to me is that, like, you know, growing up when this, this, like, these seasons were on, there were, like, a lot of people who thought, like, it was lowbrow, trashy stuff. And yeah. I think like, that's kind of, like, what why a generation of people really got into comedy, because, like, when you got the wink, you know, from The Simpsons, yeah. you're like, ooh, wow, this is, like, really well, magical you, and smart, yeah, you know? it makes you feel like you're part of a club. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's something that, you know, The Simpsons strives for in that sort of inclusivity of, like, we have all sorts of jokes in this that you're going to get and each one will make you feel like you're kind of special. Like the highbrow intellectual jokes are going to make you feel kind of special or the ones of man getting hit by football <laughs> yeah. are going to make you feel... Yeah. I, I read a Boing. book about, I think it was called Simpsons and Philosophy or something and it was like yeah. about the writers and stuff and they talked about how like when they would write jokes, they wanted the joke to be like where an old man, an adult, and a child all sitting on a couch would all laugh for like three different reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's so hard to do, and that's why 
they are just up on that platform. Yeah. So are there any other moments in this episode that uh, we <laughs> brushed over that you want to touch? Uh, yeah. So this whole bureaucracy thing I kind of got into when I was watching. I think I just made a little pet conspiracy theory in my head or whatever. It oh, inserted please. a theme into it. But there's a, there's a lot of like instances of, of Homer like just being angry at the, 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 the system basically. And one of them is when he gets and he sees the, his car and uh, he, he looks at like five different things. He screams, screams, screams. And then there's a, he sees a sign that says, no screaming, $50 fine. And he yeah, screams yeah, that's quieter. Fun. <laughs> um, that killed me. And then also uh, like right as they're escaping, you know, the rest of the family is on like a horse and carriage. And uh, he, he pulls his car in front of it and kind of knocks the thing over or whatever. Or he's, no, he's driving next to them and he goes, throw the kids, no time for the baby. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of, I wrote down, um, and this is a lot on the internet, if people are, are Googling this, so, um, but there's a lot of, uh, like, sign gags uh, that we, we haven't discussed. Oh, yeah, But uh, yeah. in the beginning of the flashback scene, when Homer's walking through, like, the bad neighborhood, there are three pornographic film theaters, uh, which are playing The Godfather's parts. <laughs> two jeremiah's johnson and five sleazy pieces yeah 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 which i love um there's another sign gag when uh they're g- we're walking down broadway and there's all those at broadway ads so there's all these ads for broadway musicals and then right in the middle of broadway there's midtown urine disposal which <laughs> is like what is that even like a place where you dispose of urine um i thought that was pretty funny yeah so overall uh you feel like this is do you think it's a love letter to New York? Oh, or? one more bureaucracy thing. Oh, okay, please. Homer pees in a mailbox. <laughs> or he oh. tries to. He thinks <laughs> oh, about it. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was like very cool. Uh, <laughs> that is very cool. <laughs> and it is very Homer. Yeah. And it's like out of necessity. And then and then what the postal worker pops out of nowhere and it's yeah, like, yeah, ah, yeah, bah, yeah. Bah, <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you think that it's a love letter to New York or do you think that it's just making fun of it? Um, I think it's both, you know? Yeah. Somebody, when I uh, moved to New York, um, when I first moved there, I wrote like a half, like a, probably like thirty minutes of material, just like about how gnarly and you know horrible the experience was, um, which in itself is like you know what you're doing with comedy is you take something and you, maybe it's bad and you invert it and make it funny, you know. Uh, it's kind of both at the same time. Like I think that that's it's impossible to separate the two things. So um, Homer, like somebody somebody once said to me about New York, they said. Um, New York is an exclamation point uh, on whatever you're either like whatever you're already feeling. It just adds an extremism to it. So if you're having a bad time, it's horrible. If you're having a good time, it's great. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think that if you're going to do an episode of The Simpsons where you just study uh, this place, this like mythic thing, um, it's not really you know going to come out as like a thing slamming it. You know, The Simpsons doesn't really do that. They yeah. dissect things and like show you both sides of them. Um, so, you know, it was a good, like, ribbing, like, a good joke on how, like, nasty and stuff it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's also making fun of Homer for hating it, you know? So, I think it's just one big wall, ball of wax. Yeah, I feel like, you know, when either they're riffing on a city or they're riffing on a public figure, you know, I feel like it always has a layer of kindness to it. Like, there's never any point in The Simpsons where I feel like they're being mean-spirited. Yeah. And um, they've got, like, a self-deprecating sensibility similar to like a stand-up comedian or sure yeah even when they're you know lampooning something i mean it's like such a big universe like duff man is a hilarious send-up of marketing 
there's been a lot of seasons. There might be an episode where they explore the depth of Duffman, and I he's bet. a human, and he cries. And you stuff, know what? You I know? bet yeah. <laughs> that's that's what I would have pitched. I've been like scraping the bottom up. Uh, why well, I won't even say that. <laughs> but but yeah, no, I uh, I agree. I think that this is you know just a super fun exploration into you know different kinds of jokes that you know we're not able to really explore within the uh, confines of Springfield and it's always fun to see them outside and you know um, and it's a well done episode it's just that you could tell that a lot of effort went into it and and they did a great job with that I'm <laughs> just reading my own notes and I just wrote down all these marge lines and they're making me laugh <laughs> laser wart removal wow the future is here <laughs> she's like so <laughs> impressed with the most basic thing yeah, I know. I love it. I love it. <coughs> um, so from this episode or from this conversation that we've had, um, is there any takeaway, any lesson that you could uh, say or what you've gleaned from watching this episode of The Simpsons or watching The Simpsons in general? Any life lessons that you've you hmm. know, received? Um, I think the ending is a good metaphor when he's driving and there's a, uh, you know, literally like two points of view, right? There's, if you're yeah. looking out the back of the car, there's this beautiful sunset, right. most amazing place in the world. If you're looking out the front, there's literally a garbage truck full of medical waste flying in your face. Um, that struck me as like a, a really interesting um, take on, you know, the the duality thing, the the pers- perspective being the issue and not the actual place or yourself, you know? Yeah. Um, I might be... Well, I might be like making that way more intelligent than it actually is in the episode, <laughs> but you know, I what disagree. what I is art? You know, you <laughs> just throw your own stuff into it, and, and what uh, is life? What is art? <laughs> yeah, no, I think that it's accurate, and I think that you know, you choosing this episode, being a comedian, being a comedian in New York, um, I think that there's a lot in this that is like very savory for that experience totally yeah, yeah. just like roughing it and pushing against this tide that just wants to push you down and and you just keep persevering until you break that thing you were talking about earlier where everyone goes to new york and it's this like archetypal like yeah. sort of struggle journey thing where you get to the end of it is like it's really interesting to me <clears throat> i think that's kind of what's going on in this episode um because it's uh you know all that that mythological stuff doesn't it's not doesn't exist it's in your head but it's like extremely important in terms of like growing as a person and stuff like that um not everyone you know like answers the call to go do this crazy thing but uh you know but they maybe they do in other aspects of their lives or moving to other places or whatever but i think new york's iconic for that reason i mean you know it ends with the frank sinatra song you know if you can make it there you can make it anywhere all that sort of stuff there's a reason that's a cliche yeah 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 which sounds it it, you know in this context it it just it has a snarkiness to it that uh, (laughs) i feel like that song could go either way it could either be this like great celebration send off right to the beauty of new york or it could be you know, we it's don't know. Maybe Frank ironic. was singing <laughs> about the irony of New York being this terrible. It's definitely fan. funny that song playing and then the garbage thing happening, the medical waste yeah. like juxtaposed together, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what the Simpsons does, is they, they they make fun of a thing by you know right. by juxtaposing ideas like that and stuff. Um but I think they make fun of things very lovingly. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Um, so our last question that we like to ask our guests is, are there any, uh, Simpsons, either the Simpsons family or anybody in Springfield that you identify with most? Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> I thought wait, about wait. this. First, I want to know what Julia thinks it is. Oh, 
what of my who do you think that Ooh. Jake oh. identifies with the most? I mean, Auto Man. I was thinking Dude, Auto. You nailed it. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> totally. I thought, I thought you would have been like, "Fuck you!" I get that all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, no, we both no. got it. That's so fun. Um, I love that game. Me too. We should do that more. <laughs> we should. We should. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so fun, why dude. why do you think that you identify with Auto Man besides for obvious reasons? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You are or wearing included. a jacket that smells uh, like weed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually dressed kind of like um, John Waters right now. I love it. It's a nice zap. <laughs> I was I was admiring your button down shirt. You guys are really missing out. He's wearing a great button down shirt. There, are, it's it's for summer, baby. There are beach towels on it. It's nice. <laughs> so uh, I listened to the podcast. I'm a fan of your podcast. Hey, um, thank you. Thank you. So I thought about this while I was listening to other episodes because uh-huh. I was like, oh, I wonder if I'm going to do this podcast. I'll have to answer this question, right? Um, so I really liked um, what Dana Gould said about Mo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think about I, that a lot. Actually, there's a lot of mo in me. My original answer, if I was gonna self-describe myself, is like I'm a mo. Right. I'm a bartender. I'm kind of angry and curmudgeonly. Um, he just kills me. I don't know. He's yeah. like my favorite character. It opens with him. Uh, this episode opens with him. Uh, just like yelling at a bunch of rats. He's yeah. just like, yeah, get out of here. You know, <laughs> there's yeah. oh, uh, it's like because people are coming into the bar. Right, 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 right. Yeah, well, it's it's uh, opening time or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's always got like a, a grift going on with animals. It's like one of my favorite yeah, Simpsons gags ever. Um, but when I was in high school, I went to a, a small like magnet school. And, uh, you know, it was like a few hundred people or whatever. And um, somebody I knew that was working on the yearbook uh, decided to go through the entire our entire class and assign everyone a Simpsons character for like the back page of the yearbook or whatever. And they told me I was Otto, and oh, I was fun. like, "Hey, oh wait, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I totally am." So the way I think about it is, on a good day, I'm an Otto. On a bad day, I'm a Mo. That's sort of a, like a duality thing. Um, but like, it, the reason I think they t- they told me that. Besides, like, my voice, you know, <laughs> uh, and my general sort of, like, wackadoo, hippy-dippy, rock and roll sort of thing. Um, so I was always wearing headphones in high school, like, before, <laughs> like, it was even yeah, possible. Yeah, you weren't, you weren't doing <laughs> yourself any favors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but Otto, I like as a character because he's, uh, like, one of the things I really like about Springfield as it being a sort of send-up of middle America and, like, the actual common people is um everybody in Springfield like kind of doesn't take their job that seriously like and he's like an easygoing sort of a freewheeling you know like carefree sort of person who has a very important job (laughs) you know he's driving children in a bus to school and he's constantly messing it up and almost crashing the thing and stuff and he's extremely high all the time and you know just laid back he likes bart which i think is pretty yeah, cool yeah i like their friendship a lot <laughs> yeah 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 bart calls him auto man um so yeah that's like when i'm when i'm on a a good day and i'm in a good space i'm like let everything slide be auto today yeah you know? yeah have a good time enjoy yourself in the moment mm-hmm. Which is kind of opposed to like a Lisa point of view, where right. you're like, how do I get angry about this thing? Like, right, right. Um, yeah. So those are like two different ways. I feel like your your perspective can shift given what's going on in you and around you and stuff. Yeah. And so I always try to remind myself, be more like Otto. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, I think that that's a beautiful note to end on. 
Cool. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm a big fan. Thanks Aww, so much for having thanks. me. You bet. Uh, where can people find you online? Um, I am at Feral Jokes on everything. Uh, it's my Twitter and my yada, 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 every social media thing. It's an anagram for my name, Jake Flores. That's a way to remember it. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Uh, I have an album on iTunes. It's called Humors. Uh, everything's on my website, feraljokes.com. Uh, I write for The Observer. Check that out. Um that's pretty much it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> well, oh wait, 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 wait! I got. Fr- I always oh, forget. Ooh, I always ooh, forget ooh. to plug my show. I'm really bad at being a comedian. Um, first and last Sunday of the month, if you are in New York, uh, I run a drunk spelling bee at Three Diamond Door. Um, Perfect. It's comedy and I want to do it. Drunk and a spelling bee. It's I'll, pretty fun. I'll organize a trip right now. To do cool. It. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. Cool, cool. Thanks yeah. so much. Yeah, hey, Allie. Yeah. Where can people find you? Oh my gosh. Thank you for asking me. You, you could find most welcome. <laughs> you can find me at Allie Gertz on all of the things. And Julia, where can people find you? Ooh, thank you so much for asking. Uh, <laughs> I am at Julia Prescott on all the things. Um, I have a couple bits of housekeeping Let's to get, get to before we sign off. Um, so please donate to our Patreon. We are Patreon dot com slash simpsons pod um and i'm just gonna roll out uh people that have pledged recently um mitsula i think we actually said oh, last mitsula mitsula friend pledged. of the podcast friends of the podcast um thomas bersard um matt castillo uh who else i don't know other people the annual i think we already read some of these but you get double shouts out and uh and then we've done that in the past we've done double shout outs and people enjoy them oh yeah um so uh we have different tiers of goodies when you uh support us and your money goes toward keeping the podcast up on the air and making sure that we sound good and um just like the basic kind of uh, necessities for putting up a podcast but uh some of the goodies include um you know getting your name uh read and having the ability to ask our guests questions um in the future in the future we give you a time machine and you get to (laughs) ask them uh what's uh 2017 like um probably a hellscape and uh (laughs) and then also the granddaddy prizes that you can uh donate a certain amount of money and then get a mix uh made by me from the perspective of a simpsons character but i also want to say that there's um big 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 announcement so we've been teasing that we are on the la Podfest, which is going to be uh the weekend of september 23rd through the 26th 23rd through the 26th and um we are actually going to be on sunday at 12 um from 12 to 2 and hey guys we have some guests that have confirmed and who i'm so excited it's gonna be good we got josh weinstein uh we got sam levine hell yeah we got the very first guest on our little podcast alex hirsch alex hirsch is killing it right now he He has a number one selling book with his gravity fall stuff it's amazing and you know what i I just got to say about alex hirsch and his accomplishments for like the past couple months there has not been a week that has passed where somebody hasn't been like you know gravity falls is great oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's really really great so please come out um you can get uh discounted uh i think to our live stream because they're going to be live streaming the whole thing. If you can't um, be uh, present in Los Angeles to be at the festival, um, use our coupon code everything. Um, and we will be tweeting out the link to that, all that good stuff coming out to LA Podfest. We are very honored to be a part of it and um, it's going to be a good time. We're going to have uh, many more confirmed guests to roll out in the future. And 
Yeah, that's about it. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm make so excited. Sh- <laughs> make sure to follow us on uh, at Simpsons Pod and uh, send us an email at everything's coming up podcast at gmail.com. All right. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>